Welcome to Study, Grow, Know, where we discuss theology, prophecy, and current political issues from a conservative biblical perspective. Here's your host, Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Reading through my daily Bible reading took me to Psalm 72 to 75 this morning, and Psalm 73 is written by a guy named Asaph. And as far as we know, he may have been associated with temple worship during the time of Solomon. And it's a fascinating psalm. And as I read it this morning, several things jumped out at me. In fact, it was as though someone living today wrote it based on what is happening in the world now. Asaph opens with recognizing how good God is to Israel and then acknowledges that he almost slid backwards spiritually because of his focus on his local world and events that he saw. Listen to what he says. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So notice he had been looking around at people and he began to envy them. These were arrogant, wicked people. Now the remainder of Psalm 73 goes into detail about the problem of the wicked and what we cannot appreciate about their plight because we too often judge things from the outside. He continues with verse 4 through verse 12. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? <laughs> Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care, they go on amassing wealth. Hmm. Well, let me take a few minutes to pull that apart and point out a few things. The rich and arrogant appear to have zero struggles in this life. They always seem healthy and strong, going from rich to richer, powerful to more powerful. Did you ever hear of them getting sick? David Rockefeller lived to be over 100. I don't recall reading of him ever getting cancer or having any major organ failures. Klaus Schwab is in his 80s and seems to have plenty of energy. George Soros is 93. I've never read where Soros suffered any serious illnesses. Have you? Well, apparently the same thing was true of the rich and arrogant during Asaph's days. They seem to never have to deal with the problems that the average person deals with in this life. And because of this, Asaph notes that pride is their necklace, as if they're self-made people. And they are literally clothed with violence. They do what they want because they fully believe they are above the law. Who can stop them? I'm still surprised Jeffrey Epstein was actually caught and arrested. So Asaph continues by stating that their hearts are callous, and from those hearts stream rivers of callousness and evil, which to Asaph seem to have no limitations. Is this true of arrogant rich people today? 
most certainly is. And the average person suffers because of it and them. Now, beyond this, Asaph heard their arrogant words, scoffing, malice, arrogant speech is used to threaten oppression on anyone who seeks to stand in their way then and now. Average people are here for their good pleasure, to be used, abused, and jettisoned, don't you know? The rich's arrogance is seen in the way they view God himself. Their rhetorical questions are, how would God know? And does the Most High know anything? These are questions that ridicule the concept of God and his perceived limitations or even his existence. Commentators believe that because Asaph was in some way connected to the temple worship, he witnessed firsthand the proud, arrogant, rich Jewish men in the temple do what they wanted to do and fully believe that God didn't notice or was incapable of noticing what they did. They believe this because they reasoned that had God noticed, he would have done something about it long before that point. So in their arrogance, they laugh at the thought of an all-knowing, omnipotent God. They brought God to become less than a human being. Some of these rich, arrogant men were likely also involved in leading temple worship too. This problem is likely due to Solomon's worship of many gods uh, that was concerning because Many of his wives were, who worshipped numerous false idols lived in, and got their access to the temple too. Solomon created a monster in Israel. Much later, Jezebel extended that travesty and King Ahab encouraged it. Now, because these arrogant rich people do say and believe what they want, average people become enamored with them and their freedoms, and they seek to be like them. Psalm 73, verse 12, kinds of sums up things for us, even though Asaph has much more to say. Verse 12 says this, This is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. That really does sum things up, doesn't it? The rich want more wealth because they understand that wealth provides power. The more wealth a person has, the more powerful they are in life. That's the general rule. And we can clearly see that happening today. Rich people call the shots, whether we like it or not. Show me a person who's extremely wealthy. And I'll show you a person who exercised power over others, with rare exceptions. It is exceedingly rare for a rich person to be a true philanthropist. Today's philanthropists, for the most part, lord it over others. And they always want something in return. And people cater to people with money. Now, in verses 13 and 14, Asaph bemoans his fate compared to the rich. He says, Surely in vain I've kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All the day long I've been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. Wow, I can relate to that. Have you ever felt like that? I have. And unfortunately, I often still do. We love God. We seek to follow him in all things. And what do we get for it? Often, we receive pain and problems and oppression, persecution. Is it worth it? Well, if the psalm had ended there, we'd probably say no, but it doesn't end there. Listen to verses 16 and 17. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. So Psalm 73, 16 and 17 is Asaph's aha 
moment. He begins to see that all that troubled him brought clarity. As he went into God's sanctuary and worshipped, everything took on a new light, new meaning. He began to understand things from God's perspective, which also needs to be our perspective. It dawned on Asaph that these arrogant, rich, evil people all had the same destiny, and it was to be separated from God for all eternity and to experience the literal hell that is entailed in that. Asaph didn't understand much about the afterlife. No one did then. God hadn't revealed it. Now we understand it far better because God has revealed it in his word. All the arrogant, rich, and evil people who direct the affairs of men reject and even hate the idea of a loving God will be tossed with finality into the lake of fire after their judgment at the great white throne, Revelation 20, 11 through 15, in which Jesus, the judge, will clarify for them why they are going where they are going. So when Asaph realized that, his heart lightened and he likely began to feel pity for those arrogant, rich, evil people. His faith in God was renewed. Asaph literally ends Psalm 73 with tremendous praise to God and for the things God has done for those who love him. Listen to this. Yet I am always with you. He's speaking of God. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is my strength of my heart and my portion forever. Asaph understood. He had an epiphany and realized that God held Asaph up. God guided him through life, helping him maneuver through the difficulties, while the arrogant rich had only themselves and their money to rely on. They could not cheat death, though, because they will die. The globalists of today who want transhumanism to keep them physically alive forever here on this planet, try hard to reach that goal, but they will one day die. They cannot escape that. Yet for the believer, God is our strength, our portion. We may fail him, and we do fail him, but he will never fail us. He will always be there as a mother hen is for her chicks. The mother hen will protect her chicks from all predators and even give her life in doing so if necessary. How much more will God protect and be with those who are his? In fact, he already gave his life for us to rescue us from creation's greatest predator, Satan, didn't he? I included a photo in the transcript and you'll see one chick and a mother hen in the nesting box, but you can't see the other chick because it is safely underneath mom's wing, while the other remains in mom's view and eyesight. You know, I confess I spend more time being annoyed and frustrated with the arrogant rich than pitying and praying for them. That's because it is difficult for me to appreciate their fate after this life over. How bad is hell? What is the actual experience in the lake of fire or the second death as it's also known? How long is eternity? Well, we know it goes on forever, but what does that really mean? How does that feel? What is it like? 
I have head knowledge of these things, but none have been absorbed into my inner being. Now, unless those rich, evil people repent and receive salvation, they will live forever in torment apart from God. Could it be grace from God that they enjoy their long life with as many chances as possible to come to him for salvation? When they face him, they will not be able to argue that they were not given chances. I need to come to grips with the arrogant riches plight after this life. I'd like that same epiphany experienced by Asaph. Maybe through the reading of his word and over time, he will increasingly enlighten me. I hope so, because I know that I need that. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And I pray that until we meet again, God will open your eyes to show you how blessed you are in him. You've been listening to Study, Grow, Know with Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Please join us each week for new broadcasts that deal with theology, prophecy, and political issues from a biblical, conservative perspective. 